Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. If you found 100 bucks on the street, would you pick it up or would you keep on walking? Of course, you'd take the money. So why do you keep picking winners and not betting on them? That's why I go to my bookie. It's fast, it's easy, and they pay you when you win. Let's face it. Where you're betting is just as important as who you are betting on. Now, I wouldn't be telling you guys to bet with them if they weren't the best. And guess what? They're the best. Do the smart thing. If you are going to bet on football this season, make sure you do it with my bookie. Did you know that you can get bets going on games after the ball is kicked off? You can even swap teams and swap sides if it looks like your bet isn't working out, if you want to play it like that. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay. If all your picks come through, you will multiply your winnings. And no matter how you bet, the NFL season is the best time of the year. So join now, and my bookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code CHAIR to activate the offer. That's promo code CHAIR. Visit mybookie.ag online today. You play, you win, you get paid. minutes and 54 seconds the Steelers battled Tom Brady and New England Patriots to a hard fought scoreless tie so Nick and I really appreciate you listening to us so check us out on Instagram at Steelers Outpost hit us up on Twitter at Steelers Outpost leave us a note thank on our guys. website thank you uh, Nick, I, 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 I don't know where to go with this. There's so many things wrong. It's, it's almost, it's almost the same thing. It's the unified theory of the universe that we did everything wrong last night. And we spent, I was up until midnight. I was up until midnight. I probably was awake until two 30 trying to exercise the demon. But let me say it is September 9th, 2019. This is Tom from the Washington DC outpost. Nick joins me from the Houston outpost. And as everybody knows already, the Steelers dropped the big one to the Patriots in the opening game, 33-3. to I am going to quote the meme that I posted online shortly after my most beloved player of all time, besides Ben Roethlisberger, my most beloved athlete of all time, Antonio Brown, viciously betrayed the Steelers and got himself onto the New England Patriots. And I shared this meme of Ron Burgundy beard covered in milk saying i am completely miserable san diego this was one of the worst weekends to be a steelers fan that i can ever remember and they seem to pile up on us these days with the drama and the expectations that get set so high only to get knocked down lower you know like mom who's in the other room watching the redskins squander a 20 point lead to the eagles 
I mean, you expect it at that point. With us, it's tough. The roller coaster ride of emotions is pretty crazy. Uh, we are going to get into this game. I want to kind of just knock out a quick sentence on the AB thing real quick because, as you guys know, I've narrated this to any listeners of our podcasts, but to anybody who's listening now, I am trying as a now 29-year-old man to remove some of the almost childlike emotions that I feel connected with this Steelers team, particularly when it comes to my favorite players, Ben, AB, and Le'Veon. Well, half of them are gone. And if by half, I mean 66 point whatever percent. Um, Trying to control that. And honestly, the fact that we're doing a podcast today is a good sign, right? But A.B. going to the Patriots, just knock it out real quick. It's just, it's just crappy. You guys know our feeling. If somebody goes to another team, like when James Harrison went to the Patriots, it felt a little crappy because you know that part of him was happy that he got a chance to stick it to the Steelers, who he felt treated him unfairly, which he had a very good argument to support that. Um, but at the bottom line, the Steelers cut James Harrison and he had to go somewhere as a 48 year old pass rusher. And so, and it was so late in the season, you want to go to someone who's competing for a championship. And it just so happened that new England needed pass rushers. So as much as people want to give him credit and say, or give him crap and say that he's a traitor, he wasn't a traitor, man. The Steelers cut him and he had to go somewhere. It made perfect sense. Brown is a traitor. He is making way less money in New England than he would be making for the Steelers. When you're talking about getting the ball, let me just break it to you guys. The Super Bowl is not set in stone yet, but this is a pretty damn near unbeatable Patriots team when he joins it. But he's not getting more money in in New England. He's not going to be treated better in New England. He's not going to get better. Maybe he'll get better stats if they win by 50 every week. But you're really not going to get much better stats in New England. Nothing's better. He's just... He's insane, and he's got this complex where he needs everything to be his way all the time, and maybe that's our only hope that he sabotages New England from the inside because after the 33-3 to drubbing we took without Brown, we might need a man on the inside. Well, didn't somebody say that's the best way to bring down an empire from the inside? Maybe he's just the guy for the job. Look, I know we didn't. We agreed we're not going to turn this into the A B analysis yeah. show. But the, the, so the conspiracy theory that this was all planned—that um, I just can't believe that. Yeah. I think there are too many pieces, too many moving pieces, too many things out of his control for this to fall the way they did. Now, maybe near the end, when the Oakland situation became clearer, there there was a uh, possibility, and maybe some phone yeah. calls were made. Maybe they weren't. Who knows about that? But the, my my question is, what will Will he turn into an altar boy for the Patriots? He he not only has his ego, you know, as the star of a team, he now has his ego as the star. He's going to be sharing passes with um, Josh Gordon, Josh Gordon, Edelman. And, uh, and I don't know how much Tom Brady goes downtown these days. So is there less glory to go around in that, that team? That's a great question, and and I tend to think that, uh, unfortunately, for Steelers fans, you can just look back at when Randy Moss joined the team and Wes Welker was already there, and and I do just think that, uh, yeah, you're not going to get the the game plan where Steelers have a requirement of 20 balls to A-B per game, and there might be some games when he he doesn't get the rock as much as he wants, but I just think that they're going to be winning a lot of games by 20 points, and you're going to get some of those stats, but... 
Um, it is interesting. I sort of tend to think he's, he kind of got what he wanted. I, I sort of do think he actually might fit in there just because of the gravity of Brady and Belichick and the fact that he works really hard. They're going to be winning. The media is going to be covering him. I hate to break it to you guys, but it seems like he's this unsalvageable villain right now. By the end of this season, he's going to be revered. He's going to be on every NFL commercial because he's going to put up huge numbers. And if he's doing all that, I tend to think that he'll be a little bit quieter. And so that's just going to be hard to watch for us Steelers fans. Um, I do think that that's the more likely outcome just because they're so loaded and they have the systems to make sure everybody succeeds. Such a great team. Um, But I do acknowledge that, the things that matter the most to AB are the three things. It's money, it's the fame and the performance, and then being able to do whatever he wants. That's why he was able to get himself out of Oakland because he was angry that they stupidly fined him for missing these practices, which if you're Mike Mayock, it's, that's too cocky to think that like, oh, we're going to – Pittsburgh has this bad reputation for not finding and we're going to set him straight. Well, look how that worked out for you. But in, in New England, they don't even let you use social media. They don't let you be yourself at all. And from all accounts – and from people who have worked there, people who have played there, even Julian Edelman has come out and said that said this before. It is legitimately not fun playing there. It, it really can suck your soul, and that's why a lot of people leave. And I'm not saying that to make uh, Steelers fans feel better. That's just the reality. That's why they're so good, and it's fun when you have the parade. So I do think there's something to be said for. We'll see if he can survive in that circumstance. And then lastly, I totally agree with what you're saying. This wasn't orchestrated since day one. I tend to think more towards the end of what you were saying. Like, I think at a certain point it became apparent to Brown that, hey, I can get out of Oakland. Like right now with all this stuff going on, I have an opening. And then the first place you're going to want to go is New England. So those are pretty much my thoughts on him. Very disappointed. I think that he's an angry, spiteful guy. And I hope that we get another crack at them when our team gets a thousand times better. Because I don't think that there's a positive element to take off the field from that first game in New England. Would he have made a difference in this game if he was on the Steelers? I think that the Steelers still would have gotten rocked and because I think that obviously I'm not letting the players off the hook. I am not this guy. I think a lot of uh, people want to freak out and blame everything on Tomlin or the head coach or the quarterback. That's usually the way the average fan works, but I'm going to get into it today on how I think the players didn't play well, but the coaches are by far and just by millions of miles, the number one culprits for blame here. When you look at schematically what the team did offensively and defensively. Now, if Brown played, I think they would have scored a touchdown at least, and it would have looked a little bit better in the box score, and maybe you would have lost 17 to 33. But I don't think, I just think, especially when you look at the strategy on offense, and how clunky it was and how not open players were and how on to the scheme the Patriots were. I could have told you before that game that the Steelers were going to run that toss counter again because there's Tomlin thinking, oh, well, the toss counter worked so well the last time we played them. We'll just do it again. It's Bill Belichick. You're not going to be able to run that play one time. And they ran that into a wall. Ten, three drives in a row. We're already down by 17 points before you figured, I guess we should abandon that. So to answer your question, I do think at the end of the day, a lot of the offensive struggles, like you're going to see a need for Ben to work out the new chemistry with these receivers, even though some of them have been there. But the offense in the past, you always had this Ben freelance and find a B situation. And the like to talk some people off the ledge as well, 
The Steelers, I said this before the game, they have played very poorly the first week, the past two years. And I think some of that's due to sitting starters in the preseason. You, you're very rusty, and especially when you're kind of old and cr- like your bones are creaking like Ben's are, you don't have a time to get used to game speed yet and to get used to the new dynamic of the receivers. And in those games, the past two years against the Browns, they kind of ended with just like Ben freelancing to AB and sealing the game. And like, okay, at least we got it done ugly, but you have this thing to kind of lay your hat back on. And so, yeah, I think it would have looked a little bit better, but I don't think there's any chance the Steelers were beating them if they had uh, Brown, Bryant, and Juju and Bell. Well, speaking of Ben, I mean, it, it was a sort of a typical slow start for him. I think you and I talked about his accuracy. I, I did go back and look. I mean, short, he was pretty accurate. It wasn't really, it was more uh, lack of being able to rely on his receivers. Long distance looked like two years Oof. ago. Like yeah. A lot of the shots downfield. But the question is, did Ben revert body type? Because I thought he came in last year looking felt and um, unlike previous years, and he looked kind of um chunky. bloated a little chunky you know what i didn't notice as much you were saying that and uh, i got to take a look back at that because i thought that he got even on he actually got a trainer this off season uh as opposed to just cutting out the cheese doodles which helped him lose the 15 pounds last year but um we can get more into ben when we do the positional breakdowns but yeah i mean there was just nothing that could come together um just a, before we get into that a couple quick little overarching themes there i said before the game i tweeted out that excuse me i expect there to be rust based on what i just said about the the last two years of of guys not playing in the preseason which we've supported that decision because we've seen Steelers get screwed by injury so many times Uh, maybe now you look at a different strategy for next year um but i expected the rust uh, based on that and even just watching Guys like, uh, you know, Rodgers who didn't play in the preseason and people who don't have those elite offensive systems with tenure like Brady and we'll see about Breeze tonight. But um, expected the rust, expected a lot of penalties because you just if you watched any of the other NFL games throughout the league, every every game's littered with penalties. We definitely saw some very untimely penalty drive killers from the Steelers. Expected all that. Um, did not expect them to get killed like this, just because I do think the Steelers have a better offense. The Steelers offensive line is better than the Pats defensive line and the Steelers defensive line is better than the Pats offensive line. You're relatively similar when it's coming to the skill positions and the quarterbacks and the running backs, they have a better secondary, but we have some playmakers at the second level. So I thought roster wise, it was very even. I just think, um, I have two things I want to say. Just I have to say them out loud so I don't forget. One is, is something to talk the Steelers fans off the ledge, so maybe I'll say that after the negative thing. Two is the coaching. Okay, so defensively, I think what this game shows is that last year was the aberration, and even a blind squirrel finds a nut every once in a while. And the Patriots were a bit off of their game last year. They did not have Gordon in that game, I don't think which obviously we saw was a huge deal. He, he absolutely dominated the Steelers yesterday, kind of quietly. Um, but Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels can do whatever they want to Keith Butler and Mike Tomlin's defense. And what annoys me the most is the Patriots have evolved their offensive system over the years. Like we said, usually now they're actually a power running team. But for 15 years, they know when they play the Steelers – The Steelers, and particularly Mike Tomlin and Keith Butler, 
and even Dick LeBeau to an extent cannot crack the code on the short passing game, especially when we split our running backs out wide and get whatever matchup we want with receivers. And so you saw over and over again, the same thing that we've been watching for 15 years, which is a hundred little crossing routes where Edelman and James White and Rex Burkhead cross at two yards past the line of scrimmage. They make the catch and they run for at least another five yards and they're just wide open. And Tom Brady makes a perfect uh, pass where he hits them in stride and they run with it and they run the same play over and over and over again every time they play the Steelers and the Steelers cannot adjust and they can't fix it and last year the Steelers played more man-to-man which was good but this year the Patriots were ready for that because you can't beat them the same way twice in a row and they so they used a ton of pick plays and if you notice the Patriots receivers on these short passes are wide open wide open their offense has a rhythm to it. Brady, they have misdirection. They fake handoffs. And if you really watch the game, Brady will fake a handoff and he looks up and the first person he looks at is always open. And I'm not saying that anyone could go in there and like, oh, Brady's a system quarterback. Anyone could go in there and do it. No, because when that person's open, he delivers a perfect pass that they catch in stride and they run with for, for a first down or whatever it is. And they're always wide open. And that, to me, speaks about coaching, especially in scheme. Now, if you look at the offensive side for the Steelers, the Steelers tried to do the same thing. They tried to get in shotgun. We know Ben doesn't like to get under center anymore. We might have to examine that. And they tried to kill the Patriots with little paper cuts. And they tried to run a short passing game. First off, that's ridiculous because the one big strength of the Patriots is their freaking man-to-man corners, which we've been talking about for a month. And you're putting out our guys in little man-to-man situations and you're playing right into their hand. Like when Todd Haley ran a bunch of toss sweeps and screens against the Jaguars who have the fastest defense in the NFL. So that's ridiculous. And then number two, look at the Steelers' short passes. There's always a guy directly on the receiver's back. It's Ben having to thread it in there and Moncrief dropping it 16 times. And it just looks like pulling teeth when the Steelers are trying to do the short passing versus when the Patriots do it. And you see that the guys are wide open every single time. And that's not just players winning one-on-one matchups. So that there, in a nutshell, a large nutshell, is why I think there are so many just schematical disasters. And the Patriots are the best team of all time, and they'll kill anybody on schematics. But just 33-3 to to me is an embarrassment based on the rosters that were on the field. Well, like you said, Brady seemed to work with impunity. Um, I I saw – so Devin Bush had led, led the Steelers with seven tackles. What happened? All that speed, and where where was it? I mean, there were so many open guys that we couldn't even the, uh, the players couldn't figure out the pick plays. Well, you have to put them in the position, and and of course, I'm not letting the players off the hook. I do think the new defense will need to gel a little bit. We try to pump the brakes on people for Devin Bush this week. Like, look, dude, Devin Bush is about to play the most organized team in the history of team professional sports. It's it's hard out there. And so the players need to get better at it too. But just overall, you have to find a better strategy to prevent that from just getting happen from happening all the time. I even think Vince Williams was on Edelman 30 yards down the field again. And it's just every time the Steelers play a team, you go back to the Keenan Allen game, and it's just so easy for the Patriots to manipulate the Steelers into giving them the matchups that they want. And you look at the Steelers on the other side, and they couldn't get a single matchup that they wanted at all. 
And it's not like, and I agree, Ben is very off target on the downfield stuff. I think that um, he almost didn't want to, I almost do wish that he had been able to take that hit, that hypothetical hit he talked about in the preseason because it almost looked like he's bailing out and he kind of throw off his back foot and lob it up to guys. But he also doesn't have the trust. He doesn't have the chemistry with those guys quite yet. The one positive is, hey, Washington had a 45-yarder. The streak stays alive, and that was a gorgeous throw and catch and route and everything like that. But um, overall, you know, I just – I hate it. This, this this strategy on defense speaks for itself. You mentioned the pass rush. If we want to talk about the players, they made sure that Bud Dupree – or that T.J. Watt was not going to beat them. He got doubled and chipped constantly. Josh Gordon, the number one wide receiver for them, blew him up one time. Josh Gordon is <laughs> – a freak of nature and Bud Dupree complete and utter non-factor. We couldn't get pressure up the middle. Brady barely got touched the whole game, but overall the offense so clunky, no identity. They started off with just an abundance of runs that weren't really working. The count, the toss counter, which again is like, Hey, listen, I understand if you throw it in there, but let's throw it in there after some other things work because they're going to prepare for the one play that carved them up the last time when Jalen Samuels ran it 12 times. And uh, then the Steelers, that didn't work. So they're like, well, we'll just put them in shotgun and just uh, do these little short passes. I would have liked to see the Steelers fake a freaking handoff once in a while and maybe just, excuse my French here, but sack up and do some drop back passing and hand, and hang back in the pocket and try and make some 20-yard in cuts and throws and stop trying to be so scared and throw the ball two yards past the line of scrimmage the whole time. So do you want to you want to move to the positional breakdown? Yeah, let's go one by one here, I guess. Starting I mean, with the quarterback. Just, let's just start with the quarterback. I mean, I, I think we've said, I mean, Ben just wasn't accurate other than, I mean, he had that 129-yard pass to, to Juju and the 45-yard to, to Washington. Right. Um, Nothing right home about it at all. Yeah, I mean, 27 for 47, 276 yards with an interception. I guess that was sort of brutal. Interception. Of, yeah, course, of yeah. course, he's going to throw that. He always throws that one against the Patriots. Uh, that was disappointing and almost looked like he just gave up. That was such an overthrow. But yeah, Ben was not good. I don't think he was necessarily bad either. There might be some people listening to the podcast right now trying to say, you know, call me a Ben Homer, but watch the game, man. Is he? I, I watch Titans versus Browns, and I'll tell you one thing: if the Titans leave Marcus Mariota as their quarterback, it's just negligence because that guy—you see people running downfield at twenty yards with nobody on them, and he's throwing it way over their heads or way out of bounds. That to me is inaccurate. That uh, some of the long passes that Ben missed to Martavis a couple years ago—that to me is inaccurate. That's worrisome. This. There was definitely some inaccuracies. We expect the rust from him. He is a chemistry-based quarterback. He is more artist than technician. That's why it can be so frustrating. When he's on, he'll throw six tutties. And when he's off, he just he won't throw one against a bad team or whatever it is. So there was some inaccuracy. But overall, watch the film. Who's open? I think there were nine drops or something like that. Moncrief, of course, like setting a record with more – you know, 10 targets for seven yards, less yards than the targets, and four drops himself. He's absolutely brutal. Um, but I don't think uh, I can put too much of this on Ben. It was just a thorough out coaching. The, the, I hated the, the play calling. Uh, the only thing I would say for Ben is I just wish maybe 
you should have turned on the gunslinger a little bit earlier and maybe just hung in the pocket and danced around a couple more times because it was clear once we went down 10-0, they got the ball back, you knew, man, if they go down 17-0, the, the game's over. You're not going to come back on the Patriots from, from 10 points, 14, 17 points in New England, and maybe he should have just gone a little bit more gunslinger. So well, by that do you mean go further downfield than he was? Yeah, just buy time, just run around in the pocket. I mean, it makes me nervous at his age now. He's more susceptible to injury, but at a certain point, it's like, dude, this is not working. We need you to do what you've done before and just try and buy time, time and go downfield or, or intermediate. I'm not just saying bombs, but what about some in cuts? What about some some laser beams? It seemed like either he was lobbing it off his bat foot downfield or throwing a two yard pass the line of scrimmage. Well, we totally lost uh, one facet of the game, the the run game. I mean, James Conner had a couple of nice runs, but let's face it, the long run of the night was from Ben Roethlisberger. And I have to tell you, the run he had, I guess they don't teach him the slide roll. He has the, what is that, square your shoulders, go perpendicular to the field and dive for an extra seven inches. But yeah, I'm looking at that. James Conner, 10 10 attempts, 21 yards. Jalen Samuels, two attempts, four yards. A lot of this has to be placed on the on the at the yeah. feet of the offensive line where we had how many third and ones did we have and even that fourth and one we couldn't come up with. I mean it was one of them I just think that 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 play that went outside that we just got blown up on that that seemed just like a stupid call. Can't we just go up the middle? No yeah. Ben Sneak, that's not gonna be employed this year. No. On three oh for three on one yard to goes. Yeah, situational offense is a travesty. And then maybe the worst call of the game, kicking the field goal down by 20 points on the one-yard line. Like, listen, man, this is where – and I'm generally – here's my thought on Tomlin. I think he's a good coach. I don't think you can name many coaches who are better than him. I think you could say, oh, Sean McVay is better. Well, name me someone who's better like consistently because there are coaches who have hot streaks and they go up and down and everything like that. You say, oh, Andy Reid. Well, Andy Reid can't win a playoff game. So, oh, Sean Payton. Sean Payton's 8-8 eight and eight half the time. You just want to talk great about him when they do well, and then they go 8-8 eight and eight and 7-9 and nine for four years at a time and nobody talks about it. So I think Tomlin's a good coach. But this is miserable, man. You have to have situational awareness. You are not playing the Browns with Deshaun Kaiser to kick the field goal. His quote after the game, what are they down? 20-0 at the time, and he kicks the field goal. We just wanted something positive there. You are going to lose the game. This is New England Patriots, Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, Josh Gordon in New England post-Super Bowl, and you're going to kick the field goal? You're probably not going to win if you score the touchdown, but you're 100% not going to win if you kick the field goal, and you wanted something positive there? Oh, my goodness, dude. How long have you been a head coach in the NFL? Well, to your point, I mean, the graphic they put up last night had um, Tomlin just behind Belichick in win percentage. Of course, Belichick plays a lot more games because he plays through the playoffs. But to your point, you're right. Third quarter, and we've kicked that field goal. There was no chance of us coming back based on the play. So if the logic is we're going to kick a field goal because we just can't move the ball, then you're just giving up the game that there is no chance of you ever moving the ball because the, the field goal is, is a drop in the bucket. However, that was the other silver lining in the game that Boz was one right. for one one-for-one. from double-digit yardage. <laughs> That's right. It was a four-yard – no, it was a 10-yard, 12-yard field goal. Um, that, yeah, that call, I mean, he deserves everything he's getting. And I, and I do think that there should be a hot seat watch just for him all season. 
just regardless. We thought that before that. Uh, I don't think you need to sit here and overreact to the, uh, you know, the Patriots game. I don't know if I said this at the beginning. I said I was going to give a silver lining for the Steelers fans, but I will. I'll tell you this. Does this mean the team is going to be mediocre? Because I, I honestly think there's not one positive thing you can take uh, from any position group, and we'll get into that uh, going to the next game. Does it mean we're going to be mediocre? Listen, dude, the New England Patriots are good as hell. They have our number at that stadium, whether we like it or not, and they're really freaking good. I don't we'll, – we'll see next week against the Seahawks. The Steelers have a great roster. Hopefully the injuries aren't too bad. Obviously, Pouncey, Watt, and Juju added injury to insult at the end of the game by going down. But uh, I do think that they're – you know, there's a chance the Steelers could be mediocre if they don't figure out this offense situation, if they're just clunky like this. Yes, but I don't think getting blown out in the first game by the best team necessarily means that. And to kind of illustrate that point, the Steelers get blown out in one of the first four or five games every year. Like the Jaguars 30-9 to five-interception game. You know, last year losing to the Ravens by – there's always an early season loss to the Ravens by 15 or 16. Um, they got blown out. Even a couple of the, the Eagles won the year before the Eagles went to the Super Bowl. They ended up going eight and eight that year or something. When we lost by like 30 points in Philadelphia, couldn't stop any of the screen passes, a bunch of 50 yard screens. And, and all of those years, except for, I guess, last year, all of those years, the Steelers end up going 11 and five or 12 and four, even uh, 10 and six at worst. And so it's not a death spell to lose like that. But I do just think emotionally, I think that that was a big blow last night, especially because you didn't have anything to take forward. When the Steelers lost in New England uh, a couple years ago in the season opener, they ended up scoring on the last play on a pass from Ben to Brown, um, and they lost like 17 to like 28. So it just looked better, and the end of the game they scored a couple times. So you could take something positive. You took nothing positive. You went out with a whimper. The embarrassment of Brown going to their team, and that is an embarrassment. It's a middle finger to your team, followed by – getting absolutely routed by them when Brown's not there, when you finally had some momentum building with the Steelers, like everybody trashed them all summer. And then for the past month, when things died down, people seem to start saying like, actually it's a good team. They have depth. Uh, they have no real big positional holes and they should be a good team. And then to get embarrassed like that on national television, that's going to be hard to recover from. Now, if they go and they beat the Seahawks under impressive, in my opinion, the season starts over new. And I would not be worried at all. But if you lose again, well, you might lose some mojo. Well, look, I mean, maybe it's a springboard. Maybe it's a real, a real wake up call. I mean, it's as you went through that and talked about the rosters. I mean, we match up really well. But now, having seen it, I mean, as far as their linebackers and DBs, we don't. I mean, they are they are so locked down. But maybe this is a way. This was so bad. This wasn't. This wasn't something you came away with, as you said, without a silver lining. This is so bad. There is nothing to look. We've got to break everything down, starting with starting with the coaching. But let's let's go back to what we were talking about. We were going through the positions and the, the rushing game. Uh, anemic doesn't begin to describe what what happened there. No. And if we go to and we go to receiving, I mean, Juju had eight targets, six receptions, 78 yards along of, of 26. So where he, he didn't get shut down by any means. Uh, yeah, he didn't. It kind of seemed like that was mostly in mop-up time. I think that they really got to go to the drawing board on him and, and find some ways to – listen, he's not Brown. He's never going to be Brown. But I think that he could fall somewhere in between like 
you know, Hines and Wallace, I think he could be kind of better than those guys who were both great number ones for the Steelers. Obviously, Wallace kind of disappeared in big moments. Um, but uh, I think he could be, like, talent-wise below Brown, but kind of in the region above those guys. So you should – I don't care if Stephon Gilmore is on you, who is one of the best corners in the league, and J.C. Jackson is a, one of the – better corners in the league as well we need to find some way where we can just break glass in case of emergency the way brown did as a number one receiver for ben where it's like nothing's working we need to dial up some place to to get this guy the ball one-on-one and kind of break the saran wrap off so i do think he made a nice catch or two in traffic where he got crushed after it and he held on to it i definitely like james washington's day um moncrief is going to be the new lima swede for the steelers <laughs> It's the worst game I think any of us have really seen from a receiver. Sammy Coates had some bad ones, but at least he would have some good plays. Um, listen, a, a foolish football move, football fan move would be to say the first game, Moncrief sucks. I need to see less than him. You need to give him a bigger sample size than that. But I'm going to be honest with you, man. After the preseason that James Washington had, and after what he even looked like a little bit last night, I don't know why you're wasting your time forcing the ball to Moncrief. I need more Washington and less Moncrief. And I don't think that this means Moncrief's going to have a bad season. He's done a lot of great stuff, but that was as atrocious as you could possibly be. Maybe you think he'll respond from that, you know, four drops, three yards on 10 targets. Uh, horrible. But, man, Washington made yet another play. What, what are we doing with this guy? Like, find a way to make this guy a playmaker, and you need a vertical element to your offense that you didn't have at all last night, and and, and Washington has that. And uh, I just need to see more of him. And then Switzer, love Switzer. Switzer is slow, man. He is quick, but he cannot get away from anybody. He's the Dre uh, Archer of receivers. When Dre would, on his returns, how he couldn't, just couldn't get away from anybody. I know we're talking about receivers, but I want to just talk about receiving. The scariest thing last night was the fact Vance McDonald disappeared until the very end of the game. No targets until like the last few minutes of the game. I Not even a target. It's a, it's a mystery. Do they not work him into the game plan? What is this? Did the Patriots try to take him away? We'll see. I just don't know why they don't use this guy more. Maybe they know something we don't, but that was disturbing. And – Listen, it, again, it's like, you know, maybe I wish that they gave us that cool sort of semi all 22 view so we could see what routes the, the receivers were running. But for the most part, they all stayed in frame because it was just five receivers turn around and and try and catch the ball. I need Feetner to dial up some plays with open receivers like you saw what the Patriots did. They ran the ball up the middle uh, enough so that the Steelers inside linebackers had to be aware of that run up the middle. And then they would constantly play action and throw the 20 yard dig in over those linebackers heads. We need things like that where Ben fakes the ball, looks up and the guy's open and he has to make a good play not this little let's spread it out and let's see who's the hot that that should be part of your offense but to have that dink and dunk if you want to dink and dunk you need to use misdirection and you need to use picks better and you need to use motions you can't just sit there like you're playing madden and five wide and run all hitches and just try and throw the ball yeah and you know what i just noticed in the stats something i don't think i've ever seen this number before passes defended the steelers defense had one pass defense New England had nine. 
Yeah. That's like a guy hitting 450 in Major League Baseball. I mean, nine. I mean, we saw them, right? I mean, yeah. we, they were right on it. They're knocking the ball away. So you need to obviously you need to do something different than a straight up one on one pattern. Yeah. You need, and I'm telling you, the like Patriots fans will freak out because you think it's calling Tom Brady a system quarterback. It's, it's not what we're saying. There, there's other guys who could succeed in there. They wouldn't succeed to the level that he does being an elite player but when you watch him play or when you watch drew play you see moments where it's just there are there's these great designs and you watch the replay fakes the ball looks up first person he looks at is open and he throws it him and, and of course it's tom brady so he makes a perfect throw with the perfect catchable spiral in strides so the guy catches it right on the run and and keeps moving but the steelers need some more of that so yeah receivers I don't know. It's hard to judge. Tight ends, you're right. Leave some to be desired. I really wish the Steelers had found another tight end because their two tight end set with Jesse James and Vance McDonald last year was incredibly successful, especially in the run game. And they need to find some sort of power run game. You have a good running back and James Conner. And and I don't know if I necessarily buy like, oh, you need to be under center to run the ball well because Le'Veon Bell ran a ton out of shotgun and it really worked for him. And I think Connor can do some of that too. But I think the tight ends are hurting from having a second guy who can block or be a threat that way. All right. And I think we basically talked about the offensive line before. Ben Ben was fairly well protected, one sack. He was hit three times. But otherwise, he had enough time for it. No, yeah. Bedtime. I don't think he had enough time to throw the ball down down the field and, and get some of those intermediate routes like we were talking about. And I don't think that I, I think the Steeler, I think the Patriots knew every time the Steelers were passing and running. It was just obvious. There's you couldn't keep the Patriots on their toes at all or on their heels or whatever you want to say. Again, that comes back to coaching. But I don't think they held the blocks quite long enough. And obviously, the rushing averages speak for themselves. Another year in a row where we've seen this for two, for two, three years in a row. I mean, I, I guess James Conner had a huge first game last year rushing, but um, Le'Veon Bell had a tough first game rushing the year before. And this line sort of struggles out of the gate with some of the run block. And when you see them get better at that. So if we, can we move to the other side of the ball or have you yeah. covered everything you want on offense? Yeah, yeah, we're, sure. we're looking at um, the defensive line. Brady was sacked one time, um, hit five times. So for whatever that means and whatever it's worth, not much. Yeah, they didn't do much. I mean, they got pushed around by a backup center and uh, Cam Hayward, nowhere to be seen making plays. I got to watch the replay again to just focus more on him and see what they were doing to neutralize him a little bit. Hargrave had a couple of nice snaps where he absolutely drove the guy into the backfield. I, they got to find a way to sign that guy. You cannot let this guy walk, and I'm pretty sure they're going to let him walk. So that just made me a little frustrated. Like, oh, of course, the one guy who's doing something is the guy that they couldn't target as a priority. <laughs> I thought, uh, oh, I guess I was going to move on. Yeah, uh, not too much to say from them. Obviously, didn't have time to get to Tom Brady. The, this short passing game, the coaches didn't put them in a position to succeed. Balls out of his hands in a second and a half. Yeah, and and so let's let's move outside a little bit to the edge rushers, um, T.J. Watt and Bud Dupree. I, I just like I did last year. I have a particular eye on Bud. Yeah, and he just got swallowed up. I mean, he was the guy who had the sack. It was a weird kind of sack. I think he reached his hand out as Brad Brady was going by. But I mean, he just got swallowed up by Cannon. Marcus Cannon, I think, was on him. No. Uh, anyway, I'm looking it up by your. 
Yeah, but Bud looked like Bud. <laughs> All the preseason hype. He got one on he got one on one matchup a lot of the games, so it's not like they were doubling him constantly. And he can't, he can't even borderline break through an offensive line. TJ, I did see them dedicate some extra rushers to them. He was a menace in the victory the Steelers had in Pittsburgh over the Patriots, and it looks like they weren't going to let him do that. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Would like to see him have just made a play. There were a couple times where he got a little bit close, but. I would have just liked to see him take that next step um, and make a big play on, on a night like that where the emotions are flying so high. Uh, right. So the, this was Isaiah Wynn was their ta- their left tackle was a replacement guy who were there. They were. Is Cannon? We, Wynn? Yeah, you're right. Isaiah Wynn. He was their first. No, Cannon, Cannon was the right tackle. So. Oh, sorry. The, um, so Wynn is the guy who's the replacement guy and he had no trouble at all handling, handling Bud. He was first round pick last year. I think he missed the whole year with injury, but that okay. would, that would mean this is his first game ever. So. Good job. Yeah, so so moving inside, like I said, um, Devin Bush had seven tackles. I mean, but I didn't, it didn't feel like he was doing anything special because <laughs> nobody was doing anything in the middle of the field. Yeah, him, yeah, moves too fast. Didn't really get a good look at him. Obviously, they got Vinny matched up on Burkhead and Edelman a couple times when he's in there, which, again, is just – this is proof. This is what you guys need to look for when you're watching these games. If Vinny is – Locked up on these guys, it's going to happen sometimes. I mean, I even remember in the playoff game against the Chiefs where the Steelers uh, won off of the leg of Chris Boswell's like five field goals. We The one explosive play we had was when we got Brown matched up on, on Houston, Houston, their outside linebacker. So it'll happen once in a while. But when you see it repeatedly, that's coaching. Vince isn't deciding, I got Edelman. No, Hayden, move. Edelman's mine. Nobody's saying that. This is the Patriots figuring out, oh, okay, so this is the rule of the Steelers' defense. If we line up our receiver in here with this alignment, with somebody on the outside of him, the Steelers' rules indicate that the inside linebacker has to cover this guy. So we're going to put Edelman there. We're going to put Burkhead there. And they manipulate Keith Butler's feeble mind and – get him on, on Vince Williams and stuff. And you can't even blame Vinny for giving up those type of uh, plays. Cause he's, that's not his skill set. He can't, he can't do that. So, I mean, nobody played well, so nothing to say about the inside linebackers. It is good to see Devin Bush get his feet with them. Yeah. Um, Out, we did outside already, right? You want to do, we did outside. So move back corners, move back to the corners. I thought that Hayden was, okay at points i mean hayden's kind of the same way he's been on the steelers like he's old man hayden now he's not a a pro bowl kind of player uh he gets some catches on him but then he makes some plays as well he had a really nice run stop or two um didn't even notice steven nelson or hilton or any of these guys i mean so much of this was just our linebackers getting matched up on people and uh i don't know who did josh gordon did josh gordon run over hayden for the for the touchdown somebody got ran over by josh gordon on that first touchdown of the game which was already should have been an omen to steelers fans like oh it's gonna be like this okay hey man you know so kelly edmonds and nelson were on the field for a hundred percent of defensive snaps kelly uh kelly had a very mixed bag of a game yeah well, that's tough um, first assignment, isn't it? I thought, yeah, I thought Terrell Edmonds played played okay, but you know there were no there were no splash yeah. defensive plays. It's hard to make those. And Tom Brady, I think, is now like what, like twenty two touchdowns, no picks. He is seventy four percent completion percentage, and like a crazy high yards per average when playing the Steelers in in New England. So 
just I just wish they would have done something. One turnover, a couple stops. They got a three and on the first drive to their credit. Just kidding. You're not going to give them any credit for what they did. But, you know, just a touchdown or two touchdowns on offense, something to take home. That's why this is just so brutal. Nothing good. And, yeah, they uh, – Cameron Kelly uh, – It'll be good when Sean Davis gets back there. I'm glad that Kelly got in, got some action, but nothing good. The, uh, I guess the other aspect of the game, special teams, I think actually Jordan Berry had a pretty good game. I mean, he, he had did. five punts. He was mainly, they were, um, they put, at least he landed them behind the 20-yard line. And then we let them return it at 20 yards pretty much every time. So Yeah, it's just it. a matter of time. Yeah. Just a matter of time. So even special teams wasn't that good. But you're right. Chris Boswell made a double-digit distance in yardage field goal and Barry actually had a couple nice punts. I thought that he played pretty decently there. So all in all, a pretty anemic performance. And what do you do? You're just anemic. What can you do? Hey, I'll tell you what I do when I'm anemic. I take blue chew who is a proud sponsor of this podcast dudes you remember the days when you were always ready to go you want to increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed maybe we should give the pittsburgh steelers blue chew bluechew.com that's like blue the color i don't know you might have some issues running in that game but i feel like your confidence will be sky high blue chew brings you the first chewable with the same fda approved active ingredients as viagra and cialis so you know it works that's the good stuff you can take them anytime, day or night, on a full stomach or an empty stomach. Since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. If you could benefit from extra function and more confidence where it counts, Blue Chew is the fast and easy way to enhance your performance. Most guys talk a good game, but Blue Chew helps you follow through. Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-persons, doctor's visits. You don't have to wait in the pharmacy. And best of all, no super awkwardness. They're made in the USA. And since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we got a special deal for our listeners. And hey, we all could use a pick-me-up right now. Let's be honest. That weekend was absolute crap. And maybe we don't have time for a pick-me-up before the Steelers can beat the Seahawks. So in that case, visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code armchair just pay five dollars shipping again that's b-l-u-e-c-h-e-w.com promo code armchair to try it free blue chew is the better cheaper faster choice and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast and i gotta be honest with you guys i would put money on it that you are going to be happy with the results and if i had to put the money down i'd put it down with my bookie so, you know, I wouldn't be telling you to use any of these products if they weren't great. And my bookie's great. And I'm not going to tell you what we put on last night's game. But if we had put a better wager, they would have given us fast, quick, easy payments of our winnings because they're great about that. So do the smart thing. If you're going to bet this football season, bet with my bookie. Let's face it. Betting makes the NFL more fun. The, the lows are lower, and consequently, the highs are higher. Did you know that you can bet on games after kickoff? If by the second half it looks like your bet is going to lose, you can always just take the other side. You can just be the Antonio Brown of betting, and whatever you want to say about the guy, he's highly successful. So 
That's that. If you're the kind of guy, let's hope that that ends soon. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay. If all your picks come through, you'll multiply your winnings. And no matter how you bet, the NFL season is the best time of the year. So join now, and my bookie will double your first deposit. Use the promo code CHAIR. Now it's just CHAIR for this one to activate the offer. That's promo code CHAIR. Visit mybookie.ag online today. You play, you win, you get paid. We know that turnover is the name of the game, and we are used to turnover, these players. But we just got news, what, an hour ago that Josh Dobbs has been traded to Mm -hmm. Jacksonville for a fifth-round pick next year. Yeah, it's probably the most you'll ever get for him. You and I have a – well, first things first – Josh Dobbs, one of the great guys that's played for the Steelers. We talk about this a lot, feeling guilty about analyzing his performances. I, I, I'd i say I'm a fan of him, but I would be reticent to ever think that there's a long-term plan with him at, at quarterback for the Steelers just with his propensity to throw the ball to the other team. And I don't really think that that goes down over time with quarterbacks. You can see it with James Winston even down there in Tampa Bay. Now, I think people thought they were going to get more for this guy. I don't know how you could ever think that um that's probably the most you're gonna get from him is a fifth and you and i share the same idea although the steelers usually i think they always carry three quarterbacks on the active game day roster you and i pretty much consider if you go down to your third guy you're screwed if the steelers get down to the second guy no offense to mason rudolph they're screwed you're not so talented where you can just plug a guy in so if you get to the third guy you just you know might as well be what it is. So I think it was actually a good opportunity uh, for the Steelers to get value for Josh Dobbs. They got him out there, and and you know he showed what he could do in preseason, so that got his stock up. If you asked, could you even trade him two years ago, the answer would be no. Nobody would trade for him. So he played all right enough to get the Steelers a fifth-round pick, and maybe they can package that as leverage next year with something else to maybe move up in the third round or the fourth round and take a guy. And I guess now we just got to keep an eye and see if Devlin Hodges – is able to work his way back to the Steelers. I don't know what the XFL contract situation is. The contracts don't matter. All he has to do is throw a temper tantrum. And he can get himself out of get himself fired. Steelers are scooping back up. You already mentioned that the uh, Seahawks and our fantasy quarterback will be in town next week. They beat Cincinnati 21 to 20. But as I look at these stats, I mean, the, the red rifle, 418 yards yeah. on 1,012 attempts. But yeah. uh, statistically pretty dominant, but ended in up Seattle. losing the game anyway. In Seattle, in the rain, too, to put it at that. So, hey, if the Steelers have a week to get that passing offense back on, it's this week. But the, the Seahawks have an absolutely ferocious front seven. Pretty terrifying. They got Clowney over there now, too, who did admit that he felt a little rusty, but he looked pretty good from what I saw in that game. Uh, they are going to be missing Jerron Reed or whatever that guy's name is who's suspended. So they're not going to have full power there, but their front seven's insane. They have pretty much the best middle linebacker in the game for now. Bobby Wagner until Devin, of course, snatches that title from him in a couple games from now. Uh, but that secondary is susceptible. I just Like I said, the only thing is I saw nothing from the Steelers that made me feel good. But on the bright side is I don't think that there's one guy. They don't have a Stephon Gilman, Gilmore over there, so maybe you can get Juju going. We'll love to see uh, you know some success for Washington. I really, really hope that they don't just stick with Moncrief for this. I, I, I want them to stick with him. I think that he's got a higher upside than, than putting in some other guys. But oh, we didn't even talk about Deontay Johnson. He had a couple catches. I was almost actually surprised by that because he didn't play at all in the preseason. So I think that you need to give Washington a chance to beat out Moncrief it, like immediately. I don't think you need to wait 
like, let's see if this guy can make the big plays. He did it again. Another 45 yard catch. And he had another bit. He had a big catch against the Patriots last year and he had a big one last night. So I want to see more of him. I want you to also give the chance for Deontay Johnson to beat out Moncrief. I don't want you just to stick with this guy because you brought him here. And I don't want them to give up on him either just because he had one bad game because he is a good player. But Hey, if the red rifle threw that type of yardage, by the way, a lot of it was to John Ross, formerly thought to be a number one uh, first round draft bust. And he had a couple like long 50 yard touchdowns. This looks like a week where the Steelers could take the top off. And we know Ben particularly and that Steelers offense is so much better at Heinz Field. So there is hope, but I'm a little nervous because there's not a lot to, to we don't even know what works yet. What do you go like, oh, okay, well, some of this worked last week. Let's try that. Well, let's just try nothing from last week. Maybe that's where we start. So, like Nick said, don't lose hope, Steeler Nation. It's still a long season. We already pointed out some of our evidence that we could come back. We could yet come back and meet the Patriots in the playoffs. So, until then, (laughs) check us out on Instagram at Steelers Outpost. Hit us up on Twitter at Steelers Outpost. Leave us a note on the website, SteelersOutpost.com, or shoot us an email at SteelersOutpost at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Until next week, go Steelers. Okay, bye-bye. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. 
I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate.